0: The breaks to the plate. Here's the The well. The left center field. that You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go Bucks! Yo, 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 welcome to DiNardo's Dugout. I am your host, Anthony DiNardo. Oh, man, welcome to this cold-ass election day. Man, it is freezing. What is it? Look at it. Pittsburgh, it's 40 degrees, Pittsburgh. It's not too much better here in Jacksonville at 52. I'm cold. As you can see, I got my sweatshirt on this morning. <clears throat> woke up just chilly. I was in a, a, a tank top last night. It was actually feeling really nice. Not this morning. Anyways, welcome to the Dugout. Has this time change screwed you guys over too? I, I feel like, I don't know. It's probably just me. But I've never been... Like, I've never been more messed up, I think, than right now. It's like what I'm noticing. I mean, I'll it. like you got the extra hour this time. You know, we, we didn't lose the hour. So you would think, you know, like that screwed me up too, losing that hour. But gaining the hour usually is beneficial. But I feel like, I mean, I didn't gain an extra hour of sleep. I just went to bed later, even though I had to get up early the next day. But it's like you've lost that hour. And Cody's usually sleeping. So, you know, we, we gained the hour here. But <clears throat> what I've noticed now is every day I'm done working, you know, I go do whatever I have to do, start, you know, with dinner, eat dinner. After dinner's done, you know, with all the stuff, cleaning up, whatever, you sit down. I feel like every night I sit down, I get that feeling it's so late. I mean, you think about it. It's so dark outside, so much quicker. You know, in my mind, mentally, I'm thinking it's like nine ten o'clock. But then when I look at the time and I find out it's only like seven or eight, I feel relieved. I don't know. Do you guys feel that way too? I get the sense of, you know, like I said, it's like being relieved knowing that there's so much more of the evening to go because mentally in my mind, I'm thinking I'm sitting down on the couch, probably going to bed in a few hours, you know, but then I see the time. I'm like, oh man, we got so much more of the evening to go. This is fantastic. (laughs) But the problem is I'm so tired. I don't understand why. I know just a few days, but again, we gained the extra hour. I wouldn't think that I would be tired because of me lack of sleep or something. We gained this extra hour and yet I'm ready for bed. Last night, I swear to God, it was eight o'clock. Speaking of Cody, it was eight o'clock and I was just sitting on the couch. The, the NFL game hasn't even started. I was ready for bed at eight and I don't go to bed before midnight like any night. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But that's how I feel this time change. Anyways, baseball season's officially over. They're announcing the award winners. I didn't watch any of it last night because I was tired. Um, But no, no, I didn't really watch any. I know everyone's going crazy about Brian Hayes being slated and up for Rookie of the Year, which, again, I was pretty okay with. Understanding he was only there for barely a month. I mean, he basically had a hot start. Not taking it away from him, but in this screwed up season, you know, he had, a, he had a hot start. He didn't get a chance to cool down, which really helped him out. So, next year will have his opportunity. I'm okay with it. <clears throat> but what I'm really not okay with is how this upcoming free agency is probably going to pan out. Because, man, oh, man, do we see that people do not want to spend money. There's one thing you've noticed. And seen this trend with baseball over the past few years, right? How like how how terrible have the winter meetings been? Probably over the last three seasons. Pretty bad. You know, most of the action happens in winter meetings. And as we've noticed, they've gotten slower and slower. People are reluctant to open up the wallets and spend on free agents. And you know, what we've really seen too, this trend, is pretty much not much is happening until late January into February, like almost right as the season's about to start. You know, the free agency just waiting out, waiting out, waiting out until more or less the players, you know, they they're the ones that budge and say, All right, I'll I'll take this as the best offer, take the deal. You know, we're not seeing November signings and then again like the winter meetings open up and then it's like a free for all frenzy of Trade signings. We haven't seen that. You know, we, we see. I mean, think about. Obviously, I mean, Manny got paid. But think about that for agency. Manny and Bryce Harper. I mean, they just had to wait it out. Wait it out. Wait it out until they finally signed. You know. And like what's happening is. We've all known this. The CBA is going to come up next year. And we thought maybe last year was a little bit. Maybe of an upswing. Maybe they're seeing some like good faith offers. So that way the players want to be so disgruntled when the CBA comes up. But it's like this pandemic couldn't have come at a better time for the owners and their mindset because now they have every reason to scream poor that we can't afford these guys. Though we'll never really truly know because they won't have to open up the books since there's no actual sharing revenue, but true sharing revenue. But um, think about it. So, these teams have been wanting to pay for agents for how long? Now this pandemic comes. They have a true building excuse. I mean, there is an excuse. It is valid. How how valid it is, that can be up to determine. But it is a valid excuse. You know, they, they had this pandemic. The Indians won't give Brad Hand $10 million. They waived him over $10 million. For one of the best relievers in the game, $10 million. Colton Wong, who's been basically a 3 war player. You're right. A 3 war player almost year in, year out. Cardinals said, nope, we can't afford them. This is what I'm going to be very interested in. You know, every season there's like these storylines, you know, with everything. And there's like a quote that comes out and hammers a team, a la the Cubs. The Cubs, when the Ricketts said that they were broke. Yeah, we were all over that. But, you know, there's, there's that one line. Well, the Cardinals, they appear to be that, that team this year right now. You know, They're the ones out there saying that there's not going to be a team hit as hard as them because there's no team that relies more on their ticket sales than the Cardinals. And, I mean, granted, they are the ones that tweet out every game. They're sold out. Now, let's be realistic here, too. I mean, that is, to a, a degree, obviously believable. You know, they that's why the Cardinals are very successful also. Um, you know, within their market is because they have outstanding fans. I mean, uh, by outstanding, I'm not talking about them personally, but I will say that they show up. They go to the games. They're there. Year in, year out. They're there. So, I mean, there is, yes, a degree to what he's saying to be true. You know, they do generate a lot of money on their ticket sales. So, obviously, the one thing that was missing this year, well, one of the things was ticket sales. You know, people at the games. So, yeah, they are going to get hard, but what a quote. What a precursor to saying, well, this is why we can't spend money. This is why we can't do anything. You know, Colton Wong, who's been a mainstay, we can't we can't keep him. Yachty Molina, we'll find out. Apparently, he has three other teams interested in him. But, yeah, I'm very, very worried about this offseason and how it's going to play out. <clears throat> because not only with the trend of each offseason – but now with the true excuse of why teams can't spend, I don't know what's going. I I don't know what's going to happen, and what I mean by that is, are there going to be a lot of free agents just left in the dark that you would expect on a team? Because I don't know, teams might say I'd rather just go with this AAA guy. You know, I mean the top free agents. Like Colton Wong will have a job. Probably not for what he wants to get paid for, but he'll have a job. But think about, you know, those mid-tier free agents that has always been like the worry in in this free agency, like how much more it's going to hurt them. I don't know. Anyways, on top of that, we have some other news to talk about. So the White Sox, they're uh, speaking of awards. Their manager, Rick Ranteria was up for manager of the year, um, who also was fired. So the guy who potentially could win manager of the year is without a job with the White Sox. They did fire him. I'm not here to poo-poo all over that decision. I mean, that is what it is. I'm not <clears throat> following the White Sox as in depth to determine if that was like truly legit or not. <clears throat> Definitely here is some questionable decisions he makes as a manager. So, okay. I mean, it is what it is. You know, they've been in rebuild. They're now there. Like, they've arrived. The White Sox have arrived. This year, you know, I don't think too many people, people are expecting him, him expecting the team to really get over the hump. they were going to be good and competitive and next year will be the year, and it seems that to be the way. Maybe they arrived a little bit earlier than anticipated, but regardless, they're here. They're ready now to win a championship. So, you could say, I mean, Rick Renteria is not the guy, and I'm cool with that. You know, he was, he was a good enough guy to get you through what you needed. And now he's ready to compete. You want to get your guy, but Tony LaRusa, thats the guy that you picked. Tony LaRusa? All right, there's definitely some shock value to this. I was one of them. I mean, it was—I'm not going to say rumored, but there were some some talks going that you know he's on the short list. It could be Tony LaRusa. Um, I don't know how serious I took that. I mean, you can connect the docs to almost anyone this time of the year, depending on who you're talking to. <clears throat> so hearing Tony Lewis's name, okay. I mean, that's interesting. But um, let's really think about this because it's it's quick and easy to just shit all over this. Right? But let's think about it. Take a step back. What is Tony La Russa? Tony La Russa is a baseball man. I mean, think about how long he's been in the game. This guy knows baseball. Without a doubt. This guy has an incredible baseball IQ. I'm sure of. It's not like. I mean, think about, you know, that like a young up-and-comer, right? Tony La Russa knows baseball. He knows how to manage. Now, his age is a bit of an issue. I mean, he's 76 years old. He's getting up there. He's been away from managing for basically a decade. You know, that can be an issue. But even after his managing days, I mean, he's been in front offices. He's been with Arizona. He's been with Boston and then with the Angels recently, this year. So, like, he's still been within the game, the different aspect. <clears throat> so, it, it's not also, like, the mindset that he has been away from baseball for 10 years and now coming like, out of retirement to put on the manager cap, right? He's still, like, in the game. Great baseball mind. <clears throat> still in the game in the front office capacity. But I think, the like, the red flags, managing-wise, like, being in the position, take away the, the other things, but just for as a manager and such. You know, the red flags are that he has been away from managing for 10 years. Other red flags, he's been very public to poo poo all over analytics. It's been 10, like, think about in 2011 when he was with the Cardinals. Where was analytics at in the game? Very, very pioneerish. You know, I mean, analytics have been around for years. I mean, go back to Bill James. I mean, years they've been around, but. Especially to a the level they're at today, right? I mean they've definitely compounded over the years. Two thousand eleven, sure, analytics were, were there, but you weren't you, you weren't pulling Blake Snell out after a twenty first batter. It wasn't to that degree. So there's some worry because obviously analytics are a very big thing in today's game. Chicago White Sox being a team that's you know, I mean they're not, I won't say as heavy as others. They're not the big hitters like the, the Rays or the Dodgers. But what I also want to get to, which is why this is a little bit worrisome, they're not like what the Diamondbacks were just a few years ago, or even the Twins. You know, I spoke to the Twins actually a few shows ago about them being the last team to have an analytics department. And now that they have, you've seen how quickly that team turned around and what they've been doing. Well, right before the Twins was the Diamondbacks. Yeah, you know, the Diamondbacks and the Twins were like the laughing stock per se in that sense of teams without analytics departments. And think about think about this organization. Think about this organization when Tony La Russa was with them, the Diamondbacks. You had the Shelby Miller trade, right? The Trump like like Dave Stewart was the GM. My boy Dave Stewart. I love to talk shit on Dave Stewart, <clears throat> but Dave Stewart was part of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Front office, it was the GM, and there with him was Tony La Russa, running the helms of the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is pulled, bad move after bad move, wasn't good. <clears throat> they all got canned. He goes over to Boston with Dombrowski. Dombrowski, uh, La Russa does, and I-, I just worry. Like he says, he's come around, and I'm sure he has. That's why again, I want to say strength and stuff. Like everyone's quick to judge this and say how terrible it is. He's been in front offices. Yes, there's stronger ones and weaker ones, but every front office believes in analytics to at least some level, okay? He has had to have turned around his stance. He might not like them on the level of others, of course, but I do believe Tony La Russa truly believes, not just saying it to make this decision look right, but does truly believe in analytics to where he feels they need to be. So I don't think he's just an old mind that's out of touch with the game of baseball. I do think that he probably can be a good manager this day, baseball wise, knowledge wise, bringing the information from analytics and the strategy to the in game managing. And honestly, As much as we're saying, you know, he's not analytically, you know, minded and such, and that's a negative thing. Maybe he would have been the one not to pull like Snell. And we could have been seeing the Rays in a game seven. I don't know. I digress. Whatever. I don't think he is going to be a terrible in-game manager because of his age and how long it's been. But I do think what's really going to judge this signing. It's, it's not the in-game managing. It's, it is his relatability to his players. Can he bring this clubhouse? Like, Can he own this clubhouse? That's what makes this hiring so interesting. This guy's 76 years old. He's got Luis Robert, who's 23. You know, Tim Anderson. Eloy Jimenez. He's got a lot of young kids. This is a I mean, this is a fun team. This is young. This is fun. It's kind of what makes them exciting and interesting to watch. I mean, they're good. Let's not take that away, too. They are a good team. There's a lot of talent. But there's a lot of Cuban born players. Can't really can't relate to that. <laughs> Tony Russo can't talk about his days in Cuba with a lot of his players. Um and it's not that it's right or wrong, but, I mean, you can't relate to that. I don't think there's a whole lot that they can relate to. And I guess where I worry, too, is managing, yes, that's still there, I think. The IQ is still there. But Tim Anderson is a different player than a lot of the players Tony La Russa managed back in 2011 and prior. The game is a little bit different in that way. You know, not so much how it's played, but maybe how it's celebrated. How players react to things. Is Tony La Russa the, I'm going to tell my pitcher to, to throw at you when you hit the home run type of guy? I'm sure he he was. Is he still? How does he handle Tim Anderson when he does that? Does he celebrate it? Or... Does he go all Eric Cosmer on him? <laughs> that that's that's the true things that that I do, you know. Again, wonder and and, and kind of a wait and see approach to see how this works out because that's that's where I kind of work with this, you know. I I, I don't know if this is the right the, tr- the 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 perfect fit, the true signing for the White Sox. You know, uh, maybe they're looking for a manager getting over the, over the hump, and I agree with that. But again, is Tony LaRusso the guy? I mean, is this clubhouse going to turn against him? Is Tony LaRusso going to open up and and be the fun grandpa maybe? Just, I don't know what your kids are doing, but have a good time doing it. But we're going to play baseball. We'll find out. We'll find out. But those are definitely the questions about Tony LaRusso. But that's not even the issue I have with this signing. Honestly, it's not. Like, Tony LaRusso being the, the White Sox manager is the least issue of the White Sox hiring Tony Russo as the manager. <clears throat> My issue is there was no process. There was no hiring process at all. But, like, that's just, again, like so many things that are wrong with baseball. NFL got this right. I mean, the Rooney Rule, you want to call for whatever it is. Like I mean, it's still not perfect, but they recognize something. And, and, and here the White Sox are. No one got interviewed. It's just like the the owner's friend. So, would you like a job with the White Sox? Come on over. That was it. It's like you know, the Good Boys Club is, is baseball. You know, oh, we're all friends. Come on, is on. it seventy six year old man? This seventy six year old man. Now think about this aspect. You're applying for a job. It's a seventy six year old man who hasn't done the job. <clears throat> In 10 years, and they didn't even have the nerve to interview anyone else to see if anyone else was more qualified for the job. They were compelled to say, Here, Tony LaRusso, here's the reins to this club. Not one interview, really. Nobody. That's the problem here. They just gave this job to a 76-year-old man who hasn't managed in 10 years. That's a problem. That is a huge problem. And that's, oh my God. That's what bothers me so much about this. Because I do think there probably are a lot better people out there to represent this club and manage this team that probably have just as much if not close to an IQ of Tony La Russa, who maybe understands the analytics a bit, a little bit better, but also can relate to the players. I mean, if we're going on the the NFL landscape here in comparison. I mean, think like Mike Tomlin. You might judge and question his his in-game stuff a little bit, but find me a coach who the players want to play more for than like Mike Tomlin for the most part, you know, those guys will run through a brick wall for him. I don't know about Tony La Russa. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're talking about in a year about how Eloy Jimenez ran through a brick wall for Tony La Russa. So I question it. Anyways, to get an idea of Tony La Russa, Tony LaRusso's first job was with the White Sox, by the way. Just to put it out there. His first managing job was well, let's put, managing job was with the White Sox. Would you like to know things that happened the last time Tony LaRusso managed the White Sox? Well, just here's a little example. The last time Tony LaRusso managed the White Sox, Terry Bradshaw won MVP, defeating Roger Staubach in Super Bowl 13, Once again. Eloy Jimenez. He can relate to that. Right? Right? They can talk about Mitch Trubisky and Terry Bradshaw. The last time. Tony LaRusso managed the White Sox. The Dukes of Hazard debuted on CBS. The last time Tony LaRusso managed the White Sox. The Daytona 500 is aired in its entirety on CBS for the first time ever. And Richard Petty won. Listen, guys, the last time Tony La Russa managed the White Sox, Phillips publicly demonstrated the compact disc for the first time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Luis Lewis Roberts talking all about his compact discs to Tony the Rusa. They're definitely comparing the number one hit, you know, off the wall sal- or off, off the wall album by Michael Jackson in 1979. They're definitely talking about that. The last time Tony LaRusso managed the White Sox, Magic Johnson defeated Larry Bird in the NCAA tournament. Right. The last time Tony LaRusso managed the White Sox, McDonald's introduced the Happy Meal. Think about that. If you're like me, I mean, the Happy Mill has just been in all your life. And I'm not 23 years old, even though I say I am. The Happy Mill was introduced. The last time Tony LaRusso managed the White Sox. The Sony Walkmans went on sale for the first time. The Sony Walkman. ESPN debuted for the first time when Tony LaRusso last managed the White Sox. Smallpox. Was officially certified as eradicated. The last time Tony La Russa managed the Happy Meal, smallpox. Smallpox. That was the news. It's officially gone. For the people listening, when in your lifetime have you ever worried about smallpox? Before the year before Tony La Russa managed, it was still a thing. Smallpox. By the way, the last time Tony LaRusso managed a bit, the White Sox, the White Sox reliever, Garrett Crockett, his father graduated kindergarten. The guy, the reliever on your team. LaRusso <laughs> La managed the Happy Meal. Yes, Ryan. The manager on your team. This is Garrett Crockett. He is a reliever for the White Sox. His dad was six. I mean, think of Tony La Russa can be these people's grandfathers, even potentially some of them to a degree, great-grandfather. Tony La Russa. This is the guy that you've chosen without interview, without question, the guy you chose to lead this team to the World Series now. <sighs> That's troubling. That is troubling. So I don't know, guys. This turn of the Russo signings got me a little, little sideways here. This upcoming baseball season—I should say off-season—with free agents got me a little sideways here again. You know, you know what really stinks too. This is—we we joke. Ryan's on the stream right now, watching. You know, when Ryan was with North Shore Nine still because he wasn't too busy selling houses. And being a dad, when Ryan was still on the stream, we talked about how last offseason was like the perfect offseason for the Pirates. Because all the salary, like no one wanted to pay for free agents, right? It's going to be even worse this year. And like think about all the years of the financial flexibility we've talked about. Like think, just think, this ain't happening and this ain't true. But it's like think about all the money they potentially save, right? We keep hearing about the financial flexibility. Or they've been saving money for all these years, pocketing all this money, and now is not a better time to sign up all these free agents by the Pirates. I don't know. I was on board to say that the Pirates should have picked up Brad Hand as well for the $10 million. Uh, nobody did. That didn't happen. MLB Trade Rumors has put out like their predictions and such, which, again, I don't know how you can predict this offseason of how and who is going to get signed, but um, they're predicting two-year $14 million. I mean, you can get Brad Hand for two years at $7 a apiece. Like, how is you as a Pirates? Of course, he has to sign. Takes two to tango. But, like, how are you as a Pirates not looking at these type of players, even though you're in a rebuild? Try to scoop up. So if it's ten, two for 14, try... I don't know. I mean... They didn't do the one for 10. I don't know. It just boggles me. How are you not trying? And your payroll's as low as it is. How are you not trying to get some of these? I'm not gonna say premier, I mean I'm not gonna have the Springer, but some of these guys, because you can you can trade them. You know, like like get a Brad Hand. Think about you would have signed and not signed, but just picked up Brad Hand for the one year ten million he did as he was let go for, right? Yeah, it's ten million dollars for a reliever. Your payroll's at like sixty million dollars. You know this upcoming season. How do you not do that and try to flip him and, and and get some more prospects for him? I mean that that's what the Pirates should be looking at right now. With this offseason panning out the way, I feel it's going to pan out. You know, I do really think. It ties into Pirates news. The Pirates should be looking into free agents. You know, not just staying the course of you know we're we're going to keep going our route because we're competitive in a few years and then you know going to the market. They probably should look to see what's out there right now because they could get maybe some guys pretty nice deals they wouldn't normally get and be able to trade them. And if it costs money, it costs money, but that's how you get some prospects. You know, Brad Hand was $10 million. You pick him up now. You trade him at the de- deadline. Maybe you throw in some cash as well to get some prospects. But then obviously, again, like you're getting some decent prospects. that The Pirates should be looking at that. I don't know if they will. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll find out. But uh, that's that. So, anyways, the last thing I want to talk about is our good, good boyfriend, Rob Manfred. The clown he is, continuing his clown work. Man, not everything he suggests is the worst. But doesn't it just feel that way? I mean, all the rule changes he made this year, I, I get to a degree. I mean, it's the... The quarantine, but these are a lot of rule changes he's wanted in baseball all along. Some aren't the worst thing in the world. You know, again, like the DH. Like if that happens, so be it. I prefer no DH in the NL, but it is what it is. But the latest from Rob Manfred. A neutral site world series. All right. I kind of I kind of laid out some positives and negatives for Tony La Russa. So I'll do the same with Rob Manfred, okay? Here's my list of positives to having a neutral site World Series. Excellent. Now, here's what's wrong with having a neutral site World Series. You know, NFL can do it. NFL is one game. You have the playoffs. The thing NFL is also king. I mean, just it is what it is. NFL is king. NFL is a better product than baseball. It's consumed more than baseball. You know, you you can't say baseball is better than the NFL in that regards. It is king. There's a reason. Everyone watches it on Sunday. So with that being said, you can pack a stadium. The year before the game's even played. You know what I mean? People are buying tickets now. They've already bought tickets for this upcoming Super Bowl, and they have no idea who's in it. It's a one game take all. It's exciting because does it, it doesn't matter. I can watch the chiefs and 49ers, even though me as a dolphins fan, my dolphins aren't in it. I can watch it. I can root for it. We can get together. We can party. We can enjoy this. There's Super bowl. It's over. It's done. It's fantastic. Now, obviously, you know, fans of the team buy tickets later and you have those, that experience, but you don't need the crowd noise in football. You don't need, you know, the fans of each team to pack the bowl. It's, it's one game. When you're talking about a series, like this is also why it wouldn't be good in the NBA. Wouldn't be good in hockey. Who is buying game four tickets right now for this upcoming World Series next year? not knowing who's in it. Who's buying game 5? Who's buying game 6? Hell, if there's a game 7, who's even going to show up for game 7? You can't have a neutral site World Series? I mean, that's what makes the World Series great, the home teams. Think about any I mean any playoffs, really. Again, not so much in football, but like think about baseball wise, right? You have the home crowds in there. It's exciting for those teams, those markets. But just think about ticket-wise. Just think about the dynamics of this. Sure, like games one through three, even like the four, probably sold out. Who in advance is buying five, six, seven? Right? And and say the Pirates, God forbid, but say the Pirates are in the World Series, and the World Series is played in Texas. Because the Pirates are going to game seven, Right? It's going to be a game seven do or die game, like the best game in sports. Are you now just like getting a ticket and flying to Texas and buying a ticket to go to the game? So some random person in Texas is going to be going to that game now. You're going to have a a mute mute crowd because nobody truly cares. The sound of baseball was a real thing. It's not good for the fans. You're going to tell me people from Pittsburgh aren't going to be able to see their team win? That's where all the stories, so much fanhood, that's, that's, how, that's why the wildcard games were so great in Pittsburgh. It wasn't even a World Series, but it was so great in Pittsburgh. And It, you know, it helped lift baseball back into that community for a little bit. And not having that now for baseball, like, that's just a terrible idea. Why would you want to take it away? What are the benefits of having it at a neutral site? Again, with, with NFL You can plan it out. It's one game, and you will pack that stadium for one game. You don't even need the fans of each team to be there. Fans of football will be there, and it's a big party. It's a big party. You can plan all this, do all this, one big day, huge event. Game seven of the World Series can't and won't be a huge event because it's not guaranteed. You don't know if it's going to happen, but if it was in Pittsburgh that night, you best believe that would be huge for Pittsburgh and or if it was in New York. Game seven. It's lit. Like game seven against the Yankees and the Pirates in Texas. Who cares? Who cares? Nobody. Why even bring this? Like, why even want to do this? I don't understand that. What is the benefit of having it at a neutral site? There doesn't seem to be any. None. So I don't go. I don't know. Rob Manfred, again, just throwing things out there. Now, as I said before, I don't hate the man for bringing up ideas. I don't hate the man for identifying, we need to improve our product. But. Why are his ideas all terrible? He tries. I'll give him credit for that. But he's terrible at it. (laughs) He's a terrible, terrible commissioner. Anyways, that's the show. We'll be back tomorrow with Starbucks, Jim and I. And then also this Thursday, 9 p.m., NS9 Jeopardy. We have our three contestants ready to go. So this will be episode edition two of NS9 Jeopardy. And then we'll see you all later. Bye-bye.